Welcome to See You on the Other Side, where the world of the mysterious collides with the world of entertainment. A discussion of art, music, movies, spirituality, the weird, and self-discovery. And now, your hosts, musicians and entertainers who have their own weakness for the weird, Mike and Wendy from the band Sunspot. Episode 278. The Kalikansaroi, the Greek goblins of Christmas and legend of the Twelve Tide. Wendy, Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. All right, and we're joined today, Scott from What's Your Ghost Story.com. Merry Christmas, Scottster. Happy Yule to you. Thank you. Oh, <laughs> get pagan on me. Yeah, <laughs> tis the season. Yeah, you know, and we're recording this the day after the solstice. Did you guys do any uh, solstice magic y things yesterday? Uh, we, well, we celebrated. Yeah. We celebrated a friend's <laughs> birthday who happened to be born on the solstice, and we, we, to- we shared some uh, solstice stories and whatnot. I think that's very much in the spirit of the day, is having some mead and uh, telling stories. Yeah, it was. <laughs> and we'll, g- we'll give a shout out to a happy birthday uh, to Iris was celebrating her 40th so it was a big one nice you know a momentous occasion my brother-in-law was born on the solstice and so his mother always says you were born and it was the longest night of the year and that's her joke for it (laughs) (sighs) so and then the world got brighter yeah that's what what we were celebrating is that when when, uh, iris entered the world it began to get brighter in the on earth here and the Northern Hemisphere, fear at last. There you go. At least. Um, I I went to the bonfire on Lake Monona yesterday. Oh, sweet. So oh, you, wow. you danced around naked with everybody? Well, um, close. Cool. It, actually, it was, 40, it was 40 degrees, so I was <laughs> thinking about getting naked. It was like spring weather yesterday. Yeah. It, beautiful. It was beautiful. And um, no, but I did. And it was funny because my toddler sees everybody dancing and she's like, I want to dance too. <laughs> so she got out and then we all, but the thing is the way we were dancing is we were holding hands and dancing around in a circle. And I'm like, this is the wicker man. <laughs> <laughs> a nice wholesome this family is, day out. We are living the wicker man. <laughs> um, but it was really fun. And what people were doing was they were writing down their wishes for the new year. And they were throwing them and in the fire. Burning them, burn. Burning the wishes. Um, but it was pretty neat. It was neat to see people doing just a little bit of magic uh, and having a big crowd. There was also this like giant crone, mm. like on stilts, walking around the place. So that did make it it's feel fun. like I thought that we were about to like find a virgin. Oh boy! Like we're gonna find one of those in Madison and set them on fire. <laughs> But it was a good time. So it was cool to celebrate the solstice and enjoy uh, the longest night of the year. And so I'm glad we all did something. And I hope you guys did something fun, too, to get a little bit of magic in your life. But even if you don't do, even if you don't do some pagan crap, uh, we hope that you're enjoying the Christmas time because it is a fun time of year. It is a fun time of year. And, you know, at the birthday party last night, she had asked Scott to tell some ghost stories related to the solstice and it's amazing how much ghost storytelling is a part of the this time of year Mm -hmm. yeah yeah dating back to english tradition but i I wanted to just jump in also um because you were talking about you know making wishes mike and then burn throwing them into the fire i've i've Mm -hmm. been at i was at a festival in los angeles at one point and we i don't i don't know if it was on the solstice or an equinox or something, but we, it was more Asian where you had all those uh, like very light paper prayer uh, sigils of some sort, like little flags. Some of them uh, symbolize money, they symbolize different things, and you would make your wishes and light them on fire, and then the, the heat would carry them and they would burn up in the sky. So very similar. That's the thing that I find so fascinating is you look around the world into ancient traditions, even though these people presumably had no contact with each other, and there's similarities that run through. Well, you know, and, and you know, I we keep coming back to real magic and Dean Radin, but Dr. Radin, when he says, when he talks about the simplest way you can do magic, is write your wishes on a piece of paper, have a ceremony where you set them on fire, and it seems that humans have this kind of thing programmed in them to set our intentions in a certain way. Yeah, that's true, and also, um, 
getting back to like this time of year, the ghost storytelling thing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's just it seems so odd to us because it seems like, well, it's a religious holiday that we're celebrating. But it does make sense that this is a time of year when there's a lot of families getting together, whether it's for religious purposes or not. Mm-hmm. And, you know, a lot of just traditional gathering type things. So families get together. And before they had their giant screen TVs and 800 channels to tune into, it's right. natural to sit around and tell stories. But, you know, what kind of stories are the most fun? I think we know. Well, ghost stories are the most fun. But, you know, what you got me thinking here, though, is that we think of religion as not having a, I hate to say a cult component, but what we we traditionally think of as an occult component, as a mystical component. So we're almost draining the spiritual power out of our religion by saying, oh, yeah, that's religious stuff. So they're not going to have anything mystical. No, it's religious stuff. Of course, they're going to have something mystical. <laughs> that's the power. <laughs> One of the first things when we were doing research for this episode is we're going back to how people celebrated Christmas in the Middle Ages. And so, you know, I grew up with an advent calendar where we would, you know, the beginning of December, we would open the calendar every day and get a little chocolate or something, right? Chocolate! <laughs> and... Yeah, so every day you had this Advent calendar, but in the Advent was like Lent in the Middle Ages. So Lent is where you have a period of fasting and self-denial kind of thing, or, or gratification denial, before a holiday, so that it, be, it becomes more powerful. There, you know, it it's like the Muslims have Ramadan that where they fast from dusk till dawn. They don't eat anything during Ramadan the entire month from dusk till dawn. And fasting is part of, uh, you know, religious traditions from all over the world. And it used to be part of the Christmas tradition where you would fast during Advent and you wouldn't eat during the day. And that's why Christmas was such kind of a like a big deal, a big feasts and everything for two weeks. The Twelve Tide, and we're going to talk about the Christmas time and the Twelve Days of Christmas and how people used to celebrate it in this uh, episode. But doing the research, you kind of discover that you know there there's so many interesting uh, rituals that people used to do in order to make the event more spiritual. That when we talk about religious things like, oh, it's a religious thing, you know, it's not weird or occult or mystical or anything. No, this is exactly where things are weird and occult (laughs) and mystical. And so, uh, you know, specifically, one of the things I thought was really interesting was that, number one, we start celebrating Christmas like right, I mean, right after Halloween, really. At least the the stores start celebrating Christmas right after Halloween. Maybe a little before. They jump the gun a bit. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, because they're trying to sell yeah, stuff. Absolutely. And that's okay. I mean, that's how people have jobs and things like that. And so everybody's like, oh, I hate to hear Christmas carols before Thanksgiving. But at the same time, you know, the people who work at Sears have to feed their kids. <laughs> but, you know, in the old days, it was more about celebrating after Christmas instead of before Christmas. Okay. Yeah, the 12 days of Christmas aren't leading up to Christmas. It's just be- that's the beginning Right? Right. Exactly. And so they have this whole celebration starts on Christmas Day, goes to uh, the Epiphany, the 6th, and that's when the um, the three wise men were supposed to show up, otherwise known as the three magi, right? So we got magic right yeah. in it. And people kept their Christmas decorations up until Candlemas, which is February 2nd. <laughs> so, I like that. I usually do that, too. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> But it's not necessarily for any kind of reason. It's just because I can't get to taking down the Christmas decorations until then. You got other stuff to do. But, you know, so we were, we we're talking about celebrating before Christmas. Back in the day, people celebrated after Christmas. And then Candlemas is this entire, it's a, it's a feast day based on the fact that Mary brought Jesus to the Jewish temple and she was supposed to undergo her cleansing. And so the cleansing real quick comes from Leviticus. Uh, which is in the Old Testament. And so the eighth day, so the eighth day after the child is born, um, they get circumcised, which is the, removing the foreskin. And then two weeks later, uh, it, I'm sorry, not two weeks. And she shall continue in the blood of purification three and 30 days. She shall touch no hallowed thing nor come into the sanctuary until the day of her purification be fulfilled. So this is this entire thing of after you have a kid, the woman is not pure until she goes through a witch ritual um, 
And that's what candle mass is on February 2nd. That's when people take down their Christmas decorations. And so the days of her purification are fulfilled. For a son or for a daughter, she shall bring a lamb of the first year for a burnt offering and a young pigeon or a turtle dove for a sin offering onto the door of the tent of the meeting and onto the priest. So what happens is you burn a lamb to death 33 days after you have a kid and you kill a dove for your sins. And that's that's how you purify yourself. And so when you're like, okay, what's the mystical part of religion? Um, it's right there. <laughs> Some animal sacrifice, special, yeah. Yeah, animal sacrifice. And there's a special day for it. Oh, this is when Mary burnt a lamb. We're going to have a feast. Now take down the Christmas decorations. I am surprised the spa industry hasn't jumped on the, hey, everybody, time to get purified. Come on in. <laughs> <Nice>. <laughs> right. They, you know, they could say like, oh, this is symbolic burning of a lamb or something like that, too. And then you just have like a hologram. <laughs> Mary burned a go. little lamb. Yes. But it's just interesting when you go through some of <laughs> it. It's fleece burned fleece white as snow. black as death. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, no, but when you go through and you look at the origins, a lot of these festivals and these things that people celebrate and to see how they used to do it, you understand that the things that we think of as kind of occult spirituality are very much part of the Judeo-Christian tradition. So like Wendy, when you were saying like, oh, it's a religious holiday, it, you know, it's not weird. Well, it's, there's plenty of weird right in it. And it's funny that when we think of religious holidays, we don't think of those weird aspects because they are baked right in at the beginning. Mm-hmm. That's true. Yeah, I mean, I guess I was thinking more in terms of like, it seems bringing ghost stories and, you know, dark tales of spooky creepiness at a time like Christmas, where you typically think of like the family sitting around the table having, you know, ham or whatever. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) It doesn't seem like those would go hand in hand. And yet, as I said, it's it's a tradition. And I mean, not only the famous, the Christmas story, but... uh, or a Christmas, Christmas Carol. Yeah. <laughs> Christmas Carol. Not You'll Christmas. shoot your eye out. <laughs> <laughs> Can't put my arms down. Um, but also, you know, the the most wonderful time of the year has the the yeah. line of the scary ghost stories and tales mm-hmm. of the, like what? <laughs> I always thought that was weird, but now I don't. Now I just like it. So while they used to celebrate more after Christmas and do fasting and more of self denial before Christmas to make it an even bigger party today. We obviously start the party early, and (laughs) we get festive uh, as soon as possible. So, you know, and that's part of, like, getting ready for the solstice and the the traditional having the solstice be the time of the year where, you know, people celebrate because it's dark and nasty most of the nights. Now, Scott, when you were doing research for solstice ghost stories, what were some of the interesting things that you found? Yeah, well, I mean, you you know, you think we're doing this, there's a celebration— because the sun is the lowest it's going to be all year in the Northern Hemisphere. So naturally, it's going to be tied to harvest festivals, whether it's Wiccan, Pagan, really just just farmers that are paying attention to when they can grow again and the fact that they're at at their most desperate right now. Right. And so I I think we tend to have this uh, little bit of a... Uh, cultural bias towards American ancient or not ancient, but old traditions and also European. But China, of course, is in the northern hemisphere and they as well had they, they observed the solstice. They the yellow emperor of China, like 3000 years ago, decided that solstice should be considered New Year's Day because it's the beginning of the brightening. Uh, so, yes, it's obviously been observed for a very long time. And there's a lot of uh, Chinese folklore that. There's a lot of different stories, but they tend to all have similar themes that revolve around uh, peace, reuniting with the family, uh, remembering those uh, around us who have done good deeds and kind of honoring them, which is so lovely and positive. Yeah, well, you guys can um, honor me for my good deeds later, I understand. There we go. <laughs> and uh, But there there was one dark story that I, I, I need to dig into this a little bit more because... I think I, I found a, a traditional Chinese website, and the translation was not wonderful on it. <laughs> but, you don't say. Uh, I have about it, it, I have about thirty to forty instruction manuals I can show you. Yeah. That probably use the same place. <laughs> nice. So there was once a, a wicked man who died on the day of the winter solstice, and after he died, he became an evil ghost and continued to physically harm people. Uh, however, for whatever reason, and this is where some of the, the translation, I think, is lost, uh, or at least it's not fully explained, he had a fear of red beans. Uh, 
So, <laughs> as you do on the winter solstice, as you do. Yeah, of course, on the winter solstice, it became a good time to have a festival, have a feast, I should say, and make sure that red beans are part of your uh, diet on that day to keep him at bay. Um, so, uh, so now going back to the themes we're talking about, peace, reuniting with family, and of course now having a feast, boy, this s- sounds a lot like how we celebrate Christmas today. And I, I love that that is a 3,000 plus year old series of folklore that very much from across the ocean on the other side of the world, right. very much makes us feel about, feel like how we celebrate. Um, but yes, then those, those Europeans and Germans, they got a lot darker than the Chinese folklore did. <laughs> So, um, I my favorite thing that I learned about was the story, the the tradition or the the lore about the wild hunt. Oh yeah, and the, yeah, <laughs> yes, and that there's this apparently this ghostly or supernatural group of hunters that pass uh, through the sky at night, and the the hunting team might be made up of elves and fairies and souls or spirits of the dead or the lost. And the leader of the hunt uh, is frequently associated with Odin, uh, but there's a whole bunch of different uh, major god characters that are associated with it, including sometimes the devil himself. And um, the the site of the wild hunt, which is said to take place sometime during this month around the solstice, not necessarily on the solstice itself, uh, it's said to warn of a coming catastrophe like a war or a plague, or at least best case scenario, much like a doppelganger, just the people that witness it will end up dying. So that's the best case scenario. Uh, also, people that happen to be asleep while this wild hunt is going on, they might die in their sleep, having their souls pulled from their body to join the hunting hunting team, or they might be abducted and taken to the underworld or the fairy kingdom. Hmm. Yes. Merry Christmas. Right. It's... It, it's amazing, and and that is from what I've heard. It's at least part of the inspiration behind that classic dark song, "Ghost Riders in the Sky." Aha! Yeah. Okay, I love that. That's cool. Uh, I've also heard that there's on the solstice there's in increased activities of the Drugar, which I believe this is Celtic, uh, and they that translates to the Again Walkers, essentially zombies as we would know them today. All right. Yeah. So all I mean, right. it really captures. All sorts of fun, fun, fun stuff. I did watch the last three episodes of the tenth season of The Walking Dead last night, uh, so I I did see some zombies on the solstice. There we go. Way to get into the festive spirit, Mike. Yeah, really, I was. Um, also, the tenth season is not that good. Oh, so, so I do have to say the solstice is uh, um, Glenn's birthday, Stephen Stephen Yoon. Oh, okay. So it makes wow, sense. Okay. Yeah. All right, then, right on, Glenn. Tying good it character. all together. <laughs> Uh, so this is the time that the Fae might come over in pairs to haunt us. But this is, mo- again, a positive one, a Celtic tradition. Fairies and groups of two would come into your home. One would hang out in the kitchen, the other by the hearth. And they're really just there as helpers to help you celebrate the, the holiday spirit. And they'd, they'd stick around for about a week or so before like, moving back. Like little elves. Yes. Exactly. <laughs> but I, I think the a big one specter to be aware of and i think this is fascinating i'm continuing to throw this out there in case anybody says wait a minute i have had a dream like that so during the yule time so a a big chunk of the month of december really the wandering stranger might make their presence known in your dream so that's where you sit on your hand (laughs) oh no (laughs) oh different stranger okay Uh, (laughs) wandering of sorts Uh, that's where you sit on somebody else's hand there you go. Uh, so uh, a middle-aged man or woman in some sort of need, whether in, in your dream they might be cold and outside and somebody that needs shelter or hungry or, or in poverty, and this would be some sort of a symbol to you that you need to be charitable in one way or another as depicted in the dream. Uh, however, I do wonder, because this is ancient times, is a middle-aged person like 20 or wow. you know, how does this? That's a good point. Does it scale up? Right, I'm definitely <laughs> old in medieval times. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, obviously, yes. If you guys have had a dream about uh, a strange, weary, haggard person that needs obvious help, we'd certainly want to know and maybe take the hint that you should be more charitable in your life. Uh, but also, you can encounter the wandering stranger while you're awake. So uh, apparently, between December 13th and 25th you might hear strange knocks at the door, especially during storms or windy weather. Uh, you might hear the door latch rattle, and you might hear a voice. Uh, but really, 
you you go to the door. There's no one there, and it said, especially if this starts to happen over and over again, uh, you should open the door and just literally say out loud. Uh, and the exact quote is, "May the gods who sent you come and bless this hearth." Um, and sometimes you'll hear tapping at the window as well on dark nights. I always hate that phrase, dark nights. All nights are dark. Yeah. That's why they're nice. Around here there. <laughs> Interesting point. I mean, I um, guess they're not dark in Iceland or whatever right now. Well, or there you go. Unless it's a summer. full moon. Do they consider it nighttime? That, that's a good question for somebody that ah. doesn't experience darkness at night. Um, but yeah, you, you are said to open the window and let the cold air fill your room. And again, invite the mysterious stranger to come in and warm themselves. Um, and if you are out walking on a lonely street or path and you might see a glimpse like, oh, wait, somebody's over there and you look, you do a double take and they're not there anymore. That is the wandering stranger inserting some, themselves into your daily humdrum life and letting you know that there are magical beings around you all the time. So I don't know. I, I, I really do want to throw that out there in case any of our listeners have had incidents like this during the month of December. It might be something from the other side. Yeah. And the wandering stranger. I've also read that um, they, some of the belief is that, you know, at this time of year, the veil is thin. Yes. As similar to like during Samhain, where the veil between the living and the dead is as thin as it's going to get. And I guess this time of year is kind of like the second thinnest it's going to get. <laughs> so yeah. some of the wandering stranger theory is that the wandering stranger is actually somebody from the other side who is kind of checking in on things and making sure that people are behaving well. So they'll, they'll knock on the door and then ask for some food. And if, if they're denied, that's not a good thing. Yeah. <laughs> so that's one of the theories that I thought was kind of interesting. And a lot of people have stories of incidents where a stranger actually knocks on their door and asks for food or help with something. And, you know, at this time of year. So yeah. Watch out for that. No, that I mean that that almost seems fairyish in the kind of thing where uh, it's like the fairies are testing you. And if there was a time when the people, like you talk about the wandering stranger, uh, if people have had experiences now, but I'll tell you, a time when they probably failed that test was during a. Um, here's also a a Christian legend that was used for anti-Semitism in the Middle Ages in a way of they have the story of the wandering Jew. That, uh, in particular, there was a Jewish person. So if, if you guys have gone through the, the Passion, it's in every Mass where, and they do it on Halloween, but they go through the stations across at, at a lot of different Masses. But you have this thing where uh, Pontius Pilate asks the Jewish people if they should free Jesus. And they say, no, no, free Barabbas instead. Forget Jesus. And then they put, you know, Jesus to death. But there's a specific um, Jewish person who taunts him as he's going to the cross. And in the legend, it is because he taunted Jesus on the way to the cross, God cursed this particular person to live forever and go from place to place and never be happy. And so this goes back to the idea that after Cain killed Abel, Cain was cast out of Eden and uh, Cain was cursed to live forever and was never happy. So he's like the original kind of character this came from. And so when if a Jewish person came into town that was unknown in the Middle Ages to all these Christian towns, sometimes they would use that this was the wandering Jew who was cursed by God back so long ago to be cruel to that person. So this idea, it's funny, we talk about you need to be kind to this wandering stranger because you are being judged. At the same time, a, uh, a less educated populace used that kind of thing to be cruel to people who were just going from place to place or traveling. And yeah, so wow. this idea of the wandering stranger, you have a dichotomy among, you think Christmas time, this is the time to be kind. And we would think, okay. I mean, how many times have you done something for somebody because you're like, oh, shoot, it's Christmas. Fine. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah, for sure. We've all done that. And at the same time, we have this other thing where people have a religious tradition to be cruel to people at this time of year at the same time. So that's just, it's it's the double-edged sword of people can use religion for something positive in being kind, and they can use religion 
for something cruel as in to discriminate someone as to where they're from. And so it's just interesting where you come, these traditions come together and you see the power for, that can be used for good and the power that can be used for evil at the same time. Hmm. And so I, I also want to make our, our listeners aware of a, a druid ideal that, talking about spiritual energy, that today, the day we're recording this, uh, might be the best time to try some psychic experiments. Oh, uh, yes. I'm in. So a, a rush of spiritual <laughs> energy is released. So this is from uh, the writer uh, Montague Witzel. So I just want to give credit because I'm reading this. What a name, a, too. Yeah, no joke. Montague anything, and you're in. <laughs> Montague Witzel, hello. <laughs> it's like, where can I sign, send this publishing contract, Mr. Montague? Yeah. <laughs> Uh, a rush of spiritual energy is released at the birth of the new sun at dawn on the 22nd of December, as a result of which it is believed that spirits and ghosts become much more active for the next few days, uh, presenting themselves to mortals more frequently than they did before this time period. Uh, it is during these days that ghosts of relatives and ancestors, lovers and friends, usually come visiting. Then, beginning on the 26th of December, all of these discarnates will begin to grow quiet and then depart, going back beyond. So, for the next couple of days, we might have more than one wandering stranger. Or I guess what? they wouldn't be strangers, but they will be wanderers coming back from the other side to say hi. Familiars. Yes. Keep an eye out for signs, then, of, of familiar people. You know, it, it's just interesting that all these traditions have something to do with um, mystical things happening at this time of year. So, you know, there's no reason that Christmas happens on December 25th, except... They decided in the early church, because there's nowhere in the Gospels that tells Jesus' birthday. There's nowhere that says December 25th is the day. Um, so they picked it because people already had a mystical tradition around the solstice in this time of year. The Romans themselves always had this party in honor of Saturn, December 17th. Uh, of the Julian calendar, not the Gregorian calendar, which is 12 days behind or whatever, but the um, the Julian calendar, they had a big party called Saturnalia, and it was a carnival. They permitted gambling. Uh, slaves oh, were considered man, that was free at this time. I bet hmm. that was a quite the shindig. Yes. Well, we had our own Saturnalia at the casino last weekend, Wendy. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> and... People would give each other gag gifts. Like, this was their big party time. So the Romans, where, I mean, and obviously in Rome it never gets that cold. Like, it's 60 degrees in Rome right now. I looked it up to see if, like, they had real winter there. They don't. Let's go. I know. Obviously they don't. I just, I just saw a flight deal to Rome, too, for, like, 500 bucks round trip. Okay. Um, I'm ready. I'm in. I'm ready. But the thing is, so there's this party that happens where they do, they also, they change up. Uh, so like they said, the slaves were free. Sometimes the masters would make dinner for the slaves at this time of year. So that's a tradition that went through to Boxing Day. I was going to say, yeah. And we'll talk about more about how that kind of Saturnalia tradition has actually gone through uh, to some of the, uh, the customs of the Twelve Tide. And so we talk about the 12 days of Christmas. Like before we said, that goes from Christmas Day into the um, epiphany of Mary on January 6th when the three kings show up. And also, three kings is a huge celebration in uh, Latin countries. Last year when I was in uh, Puerto Rico during the Christmas season, like, saw the Christmas tree, but also, like, everywhere where there are huge three kings, um, like, symbols and there were statues and lights a lot more magi uh lights in puerto rico than you usually see in the u.s um because the three kings party is just that's that's one of the big deals down there and so it's this section of the the year the 12 tide the christmas tide that the greeks have created this monster that, you know, I'd never even heard of before a couple of weeks ago. I know. And I thought we've heard of them all. Right. Like, I thought we discussed them all at length. I can't <laughs> believe we've done Google, Google searches on Christmas monsters and just yeah. finally have heard of the Kali Kansaroy. And, you know, Scott, when you were talking about fairies and the Fae earlier, it the Kali Kansaroy are really fairyish, Just in the fact that they're not necessarily evil, but they are like... Drunken people coming out of a bar at 2 a.m. into your house is how people describe, you know, these <laughs> spirits. <laughs> you know, um, 
they're gonna they're gonna pee in your garden. They're gonna tip <laughs> things over. They're gonna break furniture. They're causing a scene. Yeah, they're mischief makers. They're like it's it's like walking past a a pub at bar time is what the Kali Kansarai do. And so first of all, let's describe them. In some places, they're considered like ugly, very tall beings. Um, they they look human-like, but they have dark complexions. Uh, in other traditions, they're short, hairy, red eyes, cloven hooves, much like Pan, <laughs> or the... Mm. The Krampus. Or the Krampus. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Or the devil. Or the devil. Yes. <laughs> oh, yeah. That kind of. We're missing the low-hanging fruit here. Yeah. <laughs> right. Um, so they're hairy, pan-like creatures in other traditions. And they're just stupid, basically. And some of them, they look like goblins. Yes. They kind of have like a goblin head. Mm-hmm. What I like about it, though, is they almost remind me of the wild hunt. Like we talk, the, I mean, this is also in the tradition of the wild hunt. These, you know, going out, the partying, the getting crazy, the acting wild. Um, that's the wild hunt. That we've talked about how the Welsh before go with sailing mm, kind yeah. of thing. This is yeah. the exact same kind of tradition, except Greece is on one side of Europe and Wales is on the other side of Europe. So, you know, what's connecting these things? Is it the fact that? People have had fairy experiences at this type of year, you know, this time of year. And that's why they're like, oh, yeah, you know, we see this wild hunt or we see this group of goblins running around Greece going crazy between and they show up on Christmas Day and they leave on the Epiphany, the 6th. So during the 12 days of Christmas, that's when the Greeks are like, don't go out at night because you might see (laughs) the Cali Canceroi. So, okay, they're, they're drunken louts. Uh, how do you get rid of drunken louts, right? How do you send them home? Stop That's playing a, music. Yeah. <laughs> Number one. Right, or you turn the lights on really bright. <laughs> yeah. Well, the thing is, I mean, these are also traditions from when we didn't have electric lighting, when the streets weren't lit. And, you know, I think this is interesting because so many of these Christmas traditions specifically seem to be about making sure kids do the right things. You know, Santa Mm -hmm. himself is a whole tradition based on making your children behave. I mean, some people would say some people would say that's religion is, you know, right. uh, (laughs) Ways of control of human beings Uh, like we control kids around Christmas. I mean. I use the elf on the shelf. I got no shame in it, <laughs> you know, but I'm also the guy that got coal in his Christmas stocking when he wasn't good enough. So the Cali Canceroy wreak havoc at night during the dark times of the year. So in Greece, it's, I mean, after the solstice, um, it's still super dark outside. And when parents are saying, hey, I want you to stay inside, what are they also saying? It's because you don't want to get picked up by the Calicanceroi or you don't want to be uh, grabbed into the wild hunt <laughs> right? Yeah. and taken on a ride and taken to the underworld kind of thing. Yeah. And, and so they're using these kind of things to help kids stay like, hey, you got to stay inside of this dark time of year when it's most right. dangerous. Uh, you know why? Because uh, the goblins will get you if you don't watch out. I also like the fact that the Calicanceroi are supposedly you know they live in the center of the earth so right. they're used to that dark place and that's why they you know don't want to come out during the normal sunnier times of the year but uh they supposedly live down there and what they do during the rest of the year is they chop down the world tree which is a giant tree that's holding up the rest of the <laughs> the earth from the inside and uh and then when they leave during this time of year they return to find that the tree is fully grown back, so they have to continue <laughs> sawing away at it for the rest of the year. So that's what those creatures were doing in the descent. Okay. Oh yeah. <laughs> no man, the descent. Uh, those blind creatures scared a crap out of me. Yeah. If you oh. guys have not seen that, that's the movie that really turned Neil Marshall from like a cult director to where I thought he was a great director. And now when I saw the latest Hellboy, he's back to just being a cult director. But I still love <laughs> Neil Marshall because he's made some great movies. Um, but you know what, though? The descent, these creatures, these small, wicked creatures under the surface, that's the Kelly Canceroy. 
Uh, that's the creatures in the descent. That's the German kobold. You know, mm-hmm. that's the dwarf. From even, I mean, Lord of the Rings, where Tolkien, Gollum, yeah, oh. I mean, but Tolkien, you know, he was taking these <laughs> legends from Europe and kind of putting it together into a fantasy setting. He's got the dwarves as the mines of Moria kind of thing. So, mm-hmm. what is it about the caves that it's like? There's little people that run around inside them underneath the earth. That's something that crosses cultures as well, for sure. Yeah, and the calicanceroi are just part of it. And you know, the funny thing is, is like, how do we get rid of the calicanceroi? Well, in Greece, some people they keep a burning log from a thorny tree. Hmm. So they they burn a big log from a thorny tree, and that's one of the ways so the calicanceroi can't come through your chimney. Kind of like Santa, except delivering presents, <laughs> the calicanceroi are gonna break your furniture. So that's a tough one because you want Santa, but you need like a valve for your uh, chimney. So that Santa can get in, but the <laughs> Kelly Kelly can't. can't. In fact, the Christmas log in Greece is called uh, the Scare Cancelos. So mm. it's taken from Kelly Canceroy, Cancelos, which is Kelly Cancelos is the uh, singular. And the uh, Scare Cancelos, the name of their actual Christmas log is from, we got to make sure the Kelly Canceroy can't get into our chimneys. Um. If, they, if you can't get a thorny log, you might burn an old shoe because that smells yeah. bad. A handful of salt. And salt, obviously, is useful for everything paranormal. Yes. <laughs> um, can scare them off. Uh, another thing people try to do is they'll put a lower jaw of a pig inside the chimney or behind the front door. Oh, yeah, I know. I do that all the time. Obviously, you, I no longer think you're crazy. This is just a weird quirk well, I thought you had. Because Wendy was already when she, when she's done cutting the Christmas ham, she cuts off the jaw, <laughs> puts the pig's head underneath. I thought everybody did that. That's our doorstopper. Yeah, obviously, a suckling pig. Uh, yeah, but you know, these are the legends of the Christmas tide. So people, since they celebrated for two weeks, because if you were a peasant. In agriculture, in the Middle Ages, what do you do for two weeks after the solstice when there's no sunshine? Nothing. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you party. You know, I, yeah. I can't remember. It's one of the Malcolm Gladwell books where he talks about how peasants in France would discuss what they did during the winter. They would sleep the whole time because there was nothing else. There was nothing. Yeah. To, um, so it's different than the rest of the year where you have to stay up late and you have to keep bailing the hay or do whatever you do as a peasant. But during the wintertime, you would spend 10 hours a day sleeping. Just get cozy. Right. And so during this specific time after Christmas where, you know, we get, we get excited when we have like two days off. Like most companies don't even give you Christmas Eve off, do they? Mm-mm. True. No. Yeah. Or New Year's Eve. So instead, you just... <laughs> Work on Christmas, you know, you work on Christmas Eve. When I used to work in television, there was no getting Christmas Day off because the local news still happens on Christmas Day. Right. Somebody's got to report that. Right. They get the two weeks off at Christmas and they partied the whole time. And even, you know, you would go to church for the different feast days. And back in the Middle Ages also, you might go to church like three times on Christmas Day. Wow. But it wasn't like boring like churches now. Like they actually cared. <laughs> well, no. I mean, I remember being a kid, be like, oh, God, church is so boring. But they yeah. were looking for a spiritual experience. And it was a different kind of feeling. And the 12 days of Christmas, there was a reason to have a feast almost every one of those days. And this is when the Cali Cancer would jump around at night and things. And here's another one of my favorite Cali Cancer traditions. If you were a child born on Christmas Day, the Calicanceroy could steal you like a fairy and make you one of them. Jeez. Because you wow. were Jeez, because you were taken away from Jesus. <laughs> you were taking away like you were the idea you were was detracting from his celebration. Right. You imposter. <laughs> you know, I've you know, I've got somebody right in my family who was born on Christmas Day. Or actually Oh no, or maybe her mom went into labor on Christmas Eve and wasn't, you know, was born right before Christmas Day. But that was the first thing I thought of because I remember we were at a party and she's like, oh, I'm going into labor. And then she goes up to the hospital and the child's born. And then that child came back as a Cali Cancer Eye. 
<laughs> uh, no, that last part's not true. But <laughs> we don't know. We don't know. <laughs> right. We don't know. I mean, I've seen her, but have I seen her between, uh, you know, Twelfth yeah. Night? Right. But, you know, it's that, it's that same kind of thing because the Kelly Cants were almost like satyrs when you think of, yeah. uh, a, you know, the pan like character. And Kelly Cancer also can take human females for wives. They can seduce them. That's also very much like a satyr. That's all also very much Pan-like. Yeah. Because pan- or like a fairy. Yeah, because the fairy's like, hey, baby, what's going on? And it's also that stealing of children. It's the changeling. Right. You know, it's that, you know, we took the child off to fairyland and we replaced it with a sickly baby. Right. Kind of thing. Uh, the problem is... Girls did not get the good part of the Kelly Canceroy, unfortunately. So, <laughs> yeah, as, and that's very Middle Ages-ish. Yes, it is. You know, that's almost very, we're talking about Chinese traditions. The Chinese tradition of the one-child policy um, yeah. has meant there's so many more males in China than there are females. So when the midwife presented the boy to the Kelly Canceroy father, he offered her a basket full of gold coins. And if he brought him a girl... He offered her a basket full of ashes. Ouch. Yeah. Wow. So, Callie Canceroy, not Harsh. big on the ladies. I mean, they're big on doing it with the ladies, not big on the lady children. On daughters. So, uh, you know, there's other little kind of things that they would do uh, during the Christmas season. You know, if, if the goblin finds that your home is messy during the Christmas season... Sometimes oh they would make it even messier. They would, they would uh, quote unquote, finish it off. They would <laughs> defile the food. They would rip the clothes on the floor to pieces and they'd curse the oh, household. Oh, man. However, if they found the room clean and tidy, they would sneak in there and they would leave wishing it a thousand goods, meaning everything oh. brings prosper- prosperity and happiness. So maybe your children should clean their bedrooms. Yeah, correct. (laughs) Maybe the storage room should be cleaned during Christmas so that when the Cali Canceroy comes in, he doesn't ruin the food for the rest of the cold season. (laughs) So that's the whole point is that uh, you got to make sure you carry a lit torch at nighttime in Greece or the Cali Canceroys might sneak by. You got to get your torches burning. All right. And and so the, uh, the last day in Greek... Tafota uh, means the lights. And so the day of the Epiphany, um, they would have a, uh, a ritual that imitated a baptism that symbolized the purification of the world. And so this is a Greek Orthodox church now, so this isn't the Catholics like I'm used to. But uh, the priest then goes around to the homes, sprinkles holy water on everybody, and the Cali Canceroy flee, and they say, Fly, let us fly away, for here comes the fat priest with his holy water and his crook, and he will Uh-oh. sprinkle us and so defile us. And so, uh, and then they would run away, and they wouldn't come back until next year. Mm-hmm. And so the Cali Canceroy is just, you know, one of the interesting stories of the Christmas tide. And when I was doing research, one of the things that I was uh, learning about this time of year is the Feast of the Innocents. And I had never really heard about this too much as a kid because we never talked about... We're innocent? Oh. Okay. I, I never was an innocent <laughs> child. I never talked about King Herod. Mm. And so a couple of days after Christmas um, in the Middle Ages, they used to celebrate this more as a, as a special feast day. But King Herod had heard that when Jesus was born, that there would be a king of the Jews. There would be mm. someone who would come and replace him. And so what he did was that he ordered every child born in Bethlehem under the age of two killed. Yeah. And so here's in the John the Baptist story. He goes, when Herod knew that he'd been mocked by the Magi in a rage, he sent murderers saying to them, slay the children from two years old and under. And Mary, having heard the children were being killed, was afraid. She took the infant, she swallowed him, covered him up, put him in the ox stall. So she shoved him in the, in the, I guess, where the bison go over to the ox. And Elizabeth, having heard they were searching for John, took him and went up to the hill country and kept looking where to conceal him. There was no place of concealment. 
And Elizabeth, groaning with a loud voice, says, O mountain of God, receive mother and child. And immediately the mountain was cleft and received her. So I guess John the Baptist's mother hid in the mountain. Mary hid Jesus in the ox stall. And everybody else got killed. Wow. So the kids born in Bethlehem uh, were all massacred. And the massacre of the innocents then is celebrated on the 28th of December, Holy Innocence Day. And it is they were considered the first Christian martyrs. Uh, and is this historically true? Probably not. Because if you go and kill all the firstborn and that, you know, under two-year-old kids in a town, obviously we're going to hear about it in history. And this is part of like Christian yeah. mythology. But so King Herod goes, they say he killed all these kids. And the day they celebrate the kids then is on December 28th. And that's one of the feast days where you pray for the souls of all the kids who were killed by King Herod uh, after Jesus was born. Because King Herod was told by also the, the wise men when they came, when they were looking for Jesus, they said, we, we know that this, the, this king is coming and he's going to be greater than you. And King Herod's like, nobody's greater than me, so I'm going to kill all these kids. And so dark, dark that's, one of, that's one of the pleasant Christmas stories that happens during oh, the 12th time. Well, first off, I, I got to say, funny coincidence that we were talking about Mike Dabo before we started to record, because he, he was the original King Herod in Jesus Christ Superstar. Oh, sure. And so... So Herod's song kind of talks about him calling out Jesus and trying mm. to prove himself um, before he d- took matters into his own hands. And uh, <laughs> Prince of Egypt is a really amazing animated film that depicts what you're talking about, which is pretty heavy, dark material for an animated oh, yeah. movie. But also, it's, it's, uh, it stars uh, voices uh, Jeff Goldblum and Patrick Stewart in the same cast. So right there, you got to watch it. Love it. Um, and Steve Martin, Martin Short. So oh, man. It's, it's a, I'm not you know, super into the religious film world, but Prince of Egypt was a really well done animated film. Mm, that's cool. Prince of Egypt was a, a great movie. I thought the animation was great on it. And it, it does the same kind of thing when you talk about the firstborn being killed. It does the whole thing mm-hmm. from the Ten Commandments or whatever, which is Passover. And the idea that when yeah, you, put the, right. you put the lamb's blood on the door and then God will not kill your kids. So he didn't kill the Jewish kids. He just killed the Egyptian kids. That's what it was. And okay. so Passover. Yeah. And so the Prince of Egypt does that really well. It shows that very effectively. And funny enough, a musical connection. Metallica was all partying one night, like an Easter Sunday, and they were watching the Ten Commandments. They were on tour. And uh, as they were... Metallica's watching the Ten Commandments. Let's pause for a second for that. <laughs> so they're on tour. They're all watching the Ten Commandments, probably drinking beers. And um, as they're watching it, you get to the scene with the, the, the smoke coming through the Egyptian town, and then you see the lamb's blood on the Jewish doors, and the, and the smoke goes past them, and then it goes into the Egyptian uh, homes and kills the firstborn. And Cliff, the bass player of Metallica, uh, goes, dude, creeping death. <laughs> so their song, Creeping, yeah. their song, Creeping Death, off of the album uh, Ride the Lightning is based on Passover and the idea of God killing the firstborn. And, it, wow. you know, and in fact, that's like that, it's the lyrics to the song. He's like, Land of Goshen. And you know, he talks about lamb flood tasting door, I will pass. And so even uh, Metallica sings about that whole idea uh, from that. And so, you know, God is not. The Christian God, the Judeo-Christian God, he is not opposed to murdering babies. Yeah. So, Old uh, Testament style. He's Ooh. down. Um, right. Old, Old Testament, is a, he is a jealous and angry God. Yeah. <laughs> um, but another cool tradition that I learned about when I was looking for the legends of the Yuletide is on the Isle of Man. And the Isle of Man is kind of, we're kind of getting to Wicker Man territory when we're talking about that area. And so St. Stephen's Day... Uh, on the 26th of December, also Boxing Day, we were talking about how the roles are reversed and then uh, the servants get presents on Boxing Day because the rich people, the aristocrats get presents on the 25th. Um, but St. Stephen's Day, the 26th of December, uh, on the Isle of Man, they have a wren pole, much like the maypole for the summer solstice. Mm-hmm. Um, so then they have the wren pole and... So then they have a Ren Day in Ireland too, but on the Isle of Man, everybody dances around the pole 
And so there's a song uh, called Hunt the Wren, and they sing the song, and it's based on this story. Many years ago, there came to Ireland a beautiful woman of the fairy people. She went all through the land, and wherever she appeared, she put enchantment on the men by her beauty and her wonderful attractive powers, that they one and all left their work and their homes to follow her. When she had them all collected in this way, she led them across an apparently shallow ford in a wide river. She herself went across almost dry shod, so she didn't get wet, but when her followers attempted the fording, the river rose in fury and drowned nearly all of them. Upon this, the survivors, brought to their senses by the disaster, gave chase to the woman, seeking vengeance upon her, but she, laughing in mockery, changed herself into the shape of a wren and flew away. Some say that this particular wren was the first to be hunted, killed, and carried round for exhibition. Others that the actual witch woman escaped, but it's generally believed to be the memory of the event that the wren is hunted and carried annually. And the, hu- the hunt of the wren happens on the 26th of December. And it's funny because the story about the hunt of the wren is also very similar. We just talked about Prince of Egypt and the Ten Commandments. It's Moses going into the Red Sea and the, the Jewish people get across. But when the Egyptians follow them, Moses lets the sea go back down and drowns them all to death. Yeah. Much like she did uh, to these men who, were fo- who left their wives and their work and followed her because they're like, who's that sexy lady? And they follow her and then they all get drowned in the river. And so uh, they had this tradition then and of dancing around the wren pole, much like the maypole. And people also think that if you go back in history, they'll have sacrificed a woman like the wren, much like you would have sacrificed the May Queen. So we're, we're going back then and we're doing that traditional thing of you sacrifice something. It's Mary burning a goat to death. It's people doing a sacrifice of the May Queen to have a better New Year, you know, around the solstice. It's all these, you know, this idea that you sacrifice something so then the gods will grant you their favor. And uh, they still do the dance on the Isle of Man on St. Stephen's Day every year. Uh, and it's much like the Maypole. So I thought that was interesting because I'd never heard of that before. And because, we, you know, we're all used to like the 12 Days of Christmas is just a song. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Also, a song that started in Milwaukee. Oh, uh, I didn't know that. Yeah. So well, it, it didn't start in Milwaukee. Right. But the United States, like the reason we sing it in the U.S., it was kind of a lost Christmas carol, was because there was a teacher uh, in Milwaukee and she was having some kind of Christmas pageant. Uh, Emily Brown, who was a teacher at the Downers Teacher College back in the early 1900s. Um, she was an Anglophile, and she took frequent summer trips to England. And then one time she goes to England, and she's looking at an old bookshop in Oxford, and she finds a manuscript containing the lyrics and music to the 12 Days of Christmas. She brings it home because she wanted something special for her Christmas pageant um, that they were holding in Milwaukee, and she sings the 12 Days of Christmas, and it becomes an American tradition after it was already kind of lost to history in England. She brings it back. It becomes an American tradition then. And then a couple years later, somebody else adds the five golden rings to kind of mix it up. So (laughs) the hook. Yeah. Yeah. So the fun thing is the 12 days of Christmas, it is now like something where I just went to a Christmas in lights kind of thing a couple weeks ago and they had the 12 days of Christmas um, and they had all of the, t- like, five golden rings. They had lights of the rings, you know, the 12 calling birds or whatever it is. They had everything. And then I was watching people sing the whole thing. <laughs> like, they were taking YouTube videos, whatever, them singing the whole thing over and over. Like, groups of people were coming through and doing it. And the idea that somebody from Milwaukee did it was exciting to me. <laughs> hometown pride that brought it back. And then once the Muppets covered it. It was ubiquitous. All, it was all in. over. It was all over. <laughs> so that was kind of fun. Um, but the thing is that they had this song about the 12 days of Christmas and that people partied, you know, during that time. And there was a reason to have a feast almost every single day for the two weeks. And then Shakespeare, of course, wrote the 12th night, uh, which is about also the Three Kings Festival and the last night before the Epiphany where people would, 
you know, go back to living their normal lives and like, okay, fine, we're going to be going back to normal after the Christmas season. So uh, this merrymaking that happened. And my favorite part about the Twelfth Night, though, is the last end of the party, is that going back to the tradition of Saturnalia, where uh, the roles are reversed, you have somebody called the Lord of Misrule. Oh, man. So the Lord of Misrule is, he presides over the Feast of Fools. And he's a peasant to be in charge of the Christmas revelries, which includes drunkenness and wild partying. I think we found your Halloween costume for next year, right. Mike. I, which I, is, I thought the Feast of Fuels would just be a, a, a whole bunch of um, peanut brittle and cans. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> oh, oh, nice. So, you know, they continue this tradition of Saturnalia. And don't forget that Britain, of course, was a Roman colony. You know, the, the Romans had taken over the Hadrian's Wall and everything like that. And so they continued this tradition. They appoint this guy, the Lord of Misrule. In Scotland, he's called the Abbot of Unreason. <laughs> which wow. is even... I want that business card. <laughs> right. Hello, I am the Abbot of Unreason, and I'm going to party over the Feast of Fools with you. <laughs> <laughs> and it just sounds like a great time. Um, but the thing is, so it's a job to have this drunken revelry, much like the uh, Cali Canceroy, you know, much like the Saturnalia, and all of these traditions come together. It seems like no matter where you're from, people are doing the same type of things. And the wassailing, that group of people dressed up as those creepy Welsh skull horses, <laughs> you know? Wassailants, we call them. Nice. They're riding around. The mummers are going to places and they're saying, yeah. give us a drink. Or, you know, they'll sing, sing songs. We'll sing you, a, you know, until you give, give us, us a drink. Give us some figgy pudding now. Right. And that goes back to the wild hunt. This group of people going mm. crazy. That's the Cali Canceroy. And you have these traditions go from England to Greece, you know, to all over Europe. It's the same type of thing. And that's what I think is really interesting about this traditions of the Twelve Tide is that, yes, these things may have started in Rome and they may continue and they get felt over again into the Norsemen and then to the UK and then all over uh, Europe, you have the same kind of things of these parties during Christmas time. And I think we need to bring that back here. Absolutely. Well, it's funny that, that as you're talking about the wassailers, <laughs> the wassailants, that, that's <laughs> made me think of trick-or-treating. Yeah. It's like, you totally. know, give me something or, you know. I'm going to egg your house. Exactly. Smash right. your pumpkins. I, <laughs> <laughs> the Abba Arisa needs a drink. What? <laughs> give me a drink up. I'll trick you. It, yeah. It's continuing to, though, you know, have that that interesting correlation between this time of year and Halloween, because um, there were uh, there were legends of the horned god in Wiccan and uh, Levian Satanist traditions that said the horned god dies on Halloween and is reborn on the solstice. So. That, ah. Continuing to link those two uh, times together, mm-hmm. right? And what is the horned god but a big Calicanceroy? There we go. <laughs> so or Krampus, right? And so all these traditions seem to have a similar kind of thing. So however you guys decide to celebrate your Christmas tide, I'd suggest doing a wild hunt like I plan. <laughs> <laughs> um, either way. We're going to talk about these kind of things at our Patreon Hangout. We're going to talk more about our Patreon Hangout right after we get to the song this week. We want to thank Scott Marcus for joining us today. And if you haven't heard it yet, Scott has a relatively new podcast, which I think you might enjoy if you enjoy stories. And Scott, maybe you can tell us more about that. But you do have an episode that even features our own Mike Huberty. Yeah, actually, I, I, I couldn't mm. wait too long. Episode two features Mike Huberty. Uh, so this is a podcast called the fantastic story society and it's about you know we tell some scary stories in it but it's really it's about the art of telling the stories so we talk to to researchers uh, some of we have some overlapping guests like you guys have jeff belanger on and i had him on as well except for us we talk more about like what his philosophies as a storyteller are and uh so i, I think it's a, a unique way to cover the same type of topic but from different viewpoints so start with my episode but you'll even like the rest <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> yes and where can they find that scott on itunes 
And uh, if, actually, if you just go to my website, I link to all the individual episodes. So what's your ghoststory.com is always your one-stop shop. <laughs> all right. Thanks for joining us today with your solstice Thank you. knowledge. When you're thinking about the songs this week for Christmas, when we're talking about the Cali Canceroy, what can you picture a bunch of drunken yobs wandering around a pub singing, except for, I saw three ships come sailing? Because this is the kind of call and response party song that seems to be perfect for the kind of antics that go around the 12 tide. And here is, I saw three ships. for listening to today's episode. You can find us online at othersidepodcast.com. Until next time, see you on the other side. Well, I'm going to see three ships on uh, our next Patreon hangout. The last one of the year. You, Mike, you might be seeing six by the end of it. I was actually... I'm hoping to. <laughs> I'm hoping to assail at you. <laughs> actually, it'll be the last Patreon hangout of this decade. Oh! Wow, how about that, huh? Yeah, at uh, 2010 came in like a lamb and it's leaving like a wet fart. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. And if that doesn't make you want to join our hangout, I don't know. There's some holiday cheer. (laughs) But yes, the Patreon hangout is coming up soon. So stay tuned, Patreons. Keep an eye out on our Facebook group and also in your Patreon emails. We'll be announcing the date and time of that. And if you're curious about it and you'd like to, you're not a Patreon member. You can join. There's still time. You can join and you can learn about some of the other weird traditions of this time of year. Oh, yeah. There, there is some, some other bizarre <laughs> uh, beings, mythical beings, I guess you would say, from, again, still from Europe. It's very dark up there. They get really twisted. Yeah. So from Poland and, <laughs> and the upper German areas, there are some other really bizarre beings I wanted to talk about today. We just didn't have time, but we <sighs> will cover it Yes. when it, we all gather for a Patreon hangout. That's right. So if you want to be part of that, uh, Mike, how do they do that? They can just check that out at othersidepodcast.com slash donate. And we want to hear about your Christmas traditions as well and the kind of fun stuff you do during the 12 Tide. You know, one of the most fun things, speaking of, of Polish things, is that we always do communion bread uh, at my family's Christmas. And we call it Opłatka. <laughs> Sorry. We call it Opłatka. <laughs> I can't speak the Polish very well. We call it Opłatka. And... You break the communion bread, you pass it around, and that was the one thing we did before we always opened our presents. And we did that every Christmas Eve. Um, and I even made my girlfriends who came like, oh, you gotta, you have to eat the bread with my 90-year-old aunt or whatever as a matriarch of the family. And little traditions that are interesting and fun 
And sometimes they're supernatural, sometimes they're not, but they always are great about bringing people together. And we want to hear about your traditions because we're always looking for new ones to talk about on the show. And the tradition we're starting here every episode of the See You on the Other Side podcast is to thank Dr. Ned, who's at the Patreon level where he gets a shout out in every single episode. Ned is an executive producer of See You on the Other Side, and he helps make all this fun stuff possible. Thank you, Ned. And thank you to all of our Patreons for, well, number one, caring enough to show us some kind of financial support, but number two, engaging with us on our Facebook group and telling us what you think of the songs and sending us story suggestions. Yes. Thank you all so much for listening. We're really honored to be part of your playlist and we appreciate your taking the time to listen to us. Have a wonderful week. Now bring me some figgy pudding and bring it right now. I, I, I was wanting it. Kind of, I was trying to set you up for like a. <laughs> so, yes, so thank angry. you, everybody. Have a good week. Oh, okay. The Abba Ariza needs a drink. What? Give me a drink. I'll, I'll trick you. <laughs>